Hey, one more thing before you go. My guest in this episode said his name for the first time without stuttering at the age of 18. His journey with mental health, being a social recluse, and committing part of his life to personal development and overcoming life's challenges is an amazing transformation that you're going to want to hear. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and let's talk about The Stuttering Activist. Callum Schofield is a podcast host, a stuttering activist, mental health advocate, and an aspiring comedian. Welcome to the show, Callum. Thank you for having me, and thank you for that introduction. I can't help but smile sometimes when I think about how far I've actually come. Well, you, you know, you have an, an amazing story, uh, becoming the person that you've always wanted to be, and uh, listening to your story, uh, I think, is important for others so that we can help inspire them to improve their their lives and their challenges. Oh, absolutely. I've always said, if I can just inspire one person and reach out to one person, then that's a job well done for me. I agree. I agree. So I like to get to know my guests when they come on. So uh, where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in a small town in South Wales, which is in the UK, not the South Wales in Australia. You know, very much small town. It used to be a mining community. It used to be a coal mines and steelworks. So it's very much a place where everyone knows everyone. If you need something, you ask your neighbour. And if your neighbour hasn't got it, they'll know someone who has. So I come from a very close-knit community. I'm quite proud of where I come from, proud of my heritage, proud to be Welsh. And as far as I'm aware, I'm just a normal lad from Wales, really. Well, that's an outstanding place to grow up, it sounds like to me. Um, I appreciate those kind of communities. It gives us more of a, a uh, you feel part of the community instead of just being part of the community. Absolutely. Do you go to university? I'm currently studying in university in a place called Leeds. I'm studying international tourism management. Outstanding. Uh, let's, can we talk about some of the challenges you've overcome? Yeah, of course. Again, amazing, amazing journey. So at the age of 18, you said your name for the first time without stuttering. Yeah, that what that's a day that I will remember for the rest of my life. I've got a chain which has the exact date that I said my name for the first time, and I wear that quite a lot. I've not got it on today, of course, because I've decided to speak about it, which means I forgot to put it on, so there's no example to show you. But yeah, that was an incredible day after 18 years of struggle and hardship. So you you obviously, when did you first notice that you had a stutter or stammer? When did your family notice? Well, I had quite a common story as most people with a stutter develop it when they're around four or five, and I was no different. But being aged four or five, I saw myself as no different to anyone else. So yeah, I knew I struggled to get words out sometimes, but as a young child, I saw myself exactly the same as everyone else. You know, our our new our new president actually um, overcame a stutter, and um, you know, look where he's at now. He's obviously a leader of the country now. Can you help us understand, like what? What exactly is a stutter? And do you know what causes a stutter? I guess it would be a good question. Well, it's quite a challenging thing to have because there's no like uh, cure for stuttering and no one knows the exact cause. So you've kind of got 
something that no one knows what it is, no one knows how it happened, but you do know you can't get rid of it, which for some people can be a lethal combination. Some people say it's to do with the brain. I purely think it's more psychological. But if you found out what causes a stutter, you would be a millionaire because no one knows. No one knows. That's That's interesting, actually. What was it like as a child? It was challenging because there's no two stutters are the same. It can be elongation of certain words. So like I would say Schofield, as opposed to just saying my name. It could be repeating certain sounds. So my name was always Callum. And then you can also get just complete blocks, silent blocks when the words don't come out at all. Not even a sound comes out. So I think about 3% of the world's population have a stutter, but no two are exactly alike. Did that? Did something like that um, obviously creates an issue with social activities, especially as a child? Because you know, I'm not sure how it is in the UK, but here, like first through or kindergarten through sixth grade, like an elementary school, um, was that tough? Oh, it was very tough. My earliest memories of actually my stutter being a struggle was when I must have been in about third or fourth grade in your terms. I think I was around age eight, nine, ten, because that's when you start to notice that you are different, like answering the register at the start of every class. I couldn't say humus. So that was always an immediate struggle. And as that was the first thing you did, I was already flagging a red flag because everyone noticed that I couldn't do this basic task. Does that create is that, and when I say this, um, and I think uh, hopefully I can reflect this correctly, but does that create a learning challenge for somebody with a stutter? I think it can because I was, um, as a young child, quite academically smart when it came to writing like English histories, stuff like that. But there was sort of a burden on me that because I was quiet, because I was seen as shy, because I had a stutter, that... I didn't come across as smart, you could say, as people made these assumptions, I think is the best way to put it. So basically, academically, from a written standpoint, you were excelling. It was just more of a verbal standpoint that people felt that you kind of didn't fit within the, the, the classroom, basically, the realm. Yeah, exactly. The simple activities like reading aloud when we would when it'd be everyone would have to read a sentence or two sentences, I would feel panic and anxiety. And this lasted all through secondary school, which is high school. You know, it lasted up until, well, when I was 18 and I learned this technique, just little things I would try and ask to leave the class just before I had to read. I would find a reason why I would just basically try to find any excuse or reason to not speak in front of anyone because I had that level of panic and that anxiety is burning at me. I'm sure that it has an effect on your social life, especially as a young man in high school, for example. Oh, definitely. Even now, I still see myself as someone who has to work that little bit harder on social skills because I was always very much didn't want to be social. And I think I had the misinterpretation that nobody wanted to be social 
with me either because no one wanted to speak to the kid with a stutter, which is absolutely not true. But that was going through my mind. So even now, I still have to make that bit more effort when I'm speaking to people just to be on the same level sometimes. Did you date in high school? Hardly. I say I had, I say one, maximum two serious relationships, but I was still hiding my stutter. Even though it was very obvious I stuttered, I would hide it in every way I could. I would swap words. I would use excuses. Like when I met my only serious girlfriend's parents, I would just say I was nervous. I was tired. I had a cold. Any excuse of why I was fumbling on my words, I would give because I felt ashamed to say that I had a stutter, really. Now, is there any kind of a, um, obviously I'm getting personal here, um, does the UK have any kind of a, a program when they recognize something like you know, a stutter or a stammer? Do they have any kind of a speech program or something that they can implement within the school system? Not in the schools as such, but from school I was referred to a speech therapist in um, my, my local surgery, just normal speech therapy. But what I found is it's a common theme. The majority of people who stutter have not benefited from standard speech therapy. It's taken an actual course or a program, like I went on the Starfish Project. It takes something outside of the standard, normal doctor's speech therapy to actually overcome stuttering, in my opinion. What's the Starfish Project? Starfish Project is a three-day course here in the UK. It's in the west of England. And it teaches you a technique called costal breathing, which is where you take in a deep, sharp breath, as I'm demonstrating here before a word, and you hit that word on top of the breath. And it was using this technique that I went Calum Schofield for the first time when I was 18. And it teaches you this technique. It teaches you mindset. And it's, yeah, it's... I don't want to use a cliche, but it's a life-changing course. It changed my life completely. Oh, yeah. Obviously, I think it would change anybody's life in that regard, especially something like even saying your own name. It's like an amazing achievement when you've been able to say it before. Absolutely. I got to the point where I thought I had to accept that I will never be able to say my own name. I would all have to go, I I call him. a few occasions that I've worked with people from America because my family were in a tour business. So they would ask me my name. I would go Akalem and they would think my name was Akalem rather than Kalem because I would have to make these noises, you know, hit my side, pull these faces just to get the word Kalem out. So it was something easier just to be called Akalem, which sounds stupid thinking back, but it was as easy as that. Well, yeah, it's, you know, every, everybody's challenge is their own. Everybody's journey is their own. So that, I mean, that is, it's not something that I can relate to, but it is something I can understand. Communication, obviously, is an important factor of life. Uh, Communication between two people, um, communication between one individual and a group of individuals is part of our culture, is part of our society, is part of what and who we are. So overcoming that is amazing. It really is. I think you only notice how much you have to communicate when you don't want to. There's so many opportunities that I think we take for granted. And even now that 
I've overcome the fear of stuttering. I use this technique. This speaker situation now that I take for granted, like I didn't before, just simple things, job interviews, meeting people, family events, of course, now in this current climate, Zoom calls with your family, so you're speaking, everyone's listening. These moments that some of them you can't get away from, and before I would have absolutely hated it. Even speaking to family at family events, I would be trying to hide my stutter because I felt ashamed. How'd, you, how'd your family treat you? How did they react to um, Well, my family's always been very supportive. My mother's been incredibly supportive. But the, the main issue was, it was me, because in the past, my mother would always try to speak to me about my stutter, but I was shut it down completely, as I didn't want to speak about it. I didn't want to show any interest in it, because I had the mindset that if I ignore it for long enough, it might go away which is absolutely not true. So I do feel bad for the amount of times that I could have asked for help. I could have taken the help on offer, but I just shut it down because the last thing I wanted to talk about was the thing that gives me the most um, panic and most anxiety, really. Do you think that affected your mental health? Definitely. As even to this day, I've... I, I, don't, I, I don't like using this term lightly, but I've overcome my stutter, I'd say, about a year to 18 months ago by overcoming the fear of stuttering. But even to this day, I still have challenging days with my mental health when that little seed of self-doubt creeps back in. You know, when you have that bit of self-doubt, when you have that feeling of, am I doing well enough? Am I good enough? All these insecurities are still there. It's not like you flick a switch and they're all gone because everyone has insecurities. And it just happens that the stutter built up mine maybe more than the average. Well, yeah, and mental health is is managing. The The effective way to manage your mental health is to be aware of it. And yeah. and that's with everybody, not, not just in a particular situation as yours with the stutter, but overall, um, we all have some mental challenges at some point or another. And um, the key word is managing it. Effectively, I think. Definitely. Um, so this created in you a, a part of your mental health challenges. May uh, did it create a panic and anxiety? I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Even the simplest of tasks like ordering food. Where I was 18 years of age, and I was looking to my mother to order food for me. You know, the waiter or waitress would look a bit confused because I'm 18 years of age, but I'm sort of tapping my mother under the table to get her to order my food for me because I had that much amount of anxiety. I would always try and excuse myself when I, I saw the waiter or waitress walking over to get someone else to order for me. I would, it's it'd be simple things like that. So when you're in relationships and you're going out for food, there's this expectation for the man to take control and order and speak. So I found moments like that very um, full of panic again. How do you manage that panic and that anxiety? Did this still come up? Um, it still comes up now because there's a quote by someone who was in, in the special forces. I can't remember his name, but he says something like, just because you're finished with mental health doesn't mean mental health is finished with you, which I, I love and I recite that quote as much as I can. 
But to deal with it now, I have a brilliant support network. I have friends who I know I can rely on and depend on just as they can depend on me, that mutual relationship, and just put myself in those situations. I put myself in situations I would have avoided. Because in the past, when I was with my ex-girlfriend, if we went out for food, I would choose something I knew I could say. And I would talk her into ordering what I could say rather than what she wanted. So it wasn't just affecting me, it was affecting her in some ways as well. So it's just doing things like, now when I go out for food, I'll volunteer to order. If we're phoning up for for a Chinese or a takeaway, I will phone up just to put myself in these situations to prove to myself I can do it. And these are some tools I think um, anybody out there listening, if you're in the same situation, these are good tools. These are effective tools, I think, would help you to overcome things like this. Definitely. Just put yourself in uncomfortable situations where it's related exactly to what you're trying to overcome or not. As I've done stuff like put videos of me singing on YouTube, and I can't sing at all. But it's about stepping out of your comfort zone and not caring about, about what people think and doing stupid things. Like right now, I'm someone who will have a laugh. I don't take myself that seriously. And I feel so much better about myself because I'm having fun with my personal development. It's not so much sat in a room writing a list of what I want to achieve. It's about going out there and just having fun with it. Now, you you had taken a leap of faith in regard to the um, the class, the speech class. And like you said, it changed your life dramatically. So these are things that, that you implement um, in your daily life on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. Just always have fun every day. Always do something that you want to do. Like I try to write a joke or a comedy sketch every day or to make notes of something and just take those leap of faith. Because when I attended this speech course, it took me a very long time. It took me about six months after hearing about it just to pick up the phone and call up this speech course. And it was another six to nine months until I actually got on this course, but they happen monthly or two monthly. And I remember choosing the September course because it was the furthest one away within reason. So I did not have to think about attending it. So, you know, we don't have to jump straight in the deep end because these things take time. But just at the end of the day, you know, it's the famous quote, you miss the shots you don't take. So even though it took me a very long time, I still eventually took those leaps of faith and it's worked out for the best. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, obviously, you're talking about writing jokes. Um, I know you're an aspiring comedian. It, it, should we say you are a comedian or are still aspiring? I'm still aspiring as my original plan was to move up to Leeds with the university and get on the comedy circuit around Leeds. But of course, with the current climate, there's absolutely no opportunities for any aspiring stand-up comics. But I've still got 30 pages of material. I've still got a lot of jokes. It's a challenge because it's something that, again, like podcasting, relies on communication and the, the delivery of communication. So it's interesting. And it's something I've always... I've always loved. You know, some people have sport, some people have music. Mine has always been comedy. I've loved watching comedians, watching comedy sketches, 
I, I remember I first saw a comedian live when I must have been 11, and I've always loved it. So only in the past year I've thought, I've always loved it. I've always made little notes of funny jokes or funny stuff that's happened. So why don't I just give it a go? Because I'll only regret not doing it. I agree with that. Who's your, who's your, do you have any um, like uh, icons that you respect and admire that you, asp you aspire to be or look up to? Someone who is a British comedian called John B Bishop. John Bishop, someone who I absolutely love. His stand-up I love. I'm hopefully going to go and see him on tour next year if I can find someone to go with, with me because I don't want to book a ticket on my own to a comedy gig. But he's everything, like even my podcast, he did something called John Bishop in Conversation With. And his conversational interview style it's something that I base my podcast around. I wanted that informal, as you say, organic atmosphere that both of us aim for with our podcast. So John Bishop's one. There's someone called Michael McIntyre. He was the first comedian I saw live. So he planted a seed. There's some comedy classics like Cannon and Ball. Cannon and Ball, two people who my granddad introduced me to as this was sort of the little thing that when I was off from school ill, whether it was I was actually ill or whether I was avoiding a speaking situation, so I faked an illness, my granddad would get out these old videotapes of old classic comedians, and he would put them on, whether it was comedy sketch shows. And so arguably you could say it was my granddad who planted the seed with these classic proper, no, not DVDs or streaming, these proper old videotapes of original comedy and that would be my days off school would be watching videos of you know little and large cannon and ball with him that's amazing what what a memory very good memories that's pretty oh, cool definitely. one of my favorite comedians is billy conley from glasgow scotland yeah. i used to listen to billy conley constantly I listened to him so much, I ended up with a Scottish accent. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he is, again, one of the comedy legends in my, my eyes. He is a comedy legend. Oh, absolutely. It's like Robin Williams here in America. Yeah. You know, there's nobody else like Robin Williams, and there probably never will be. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like Robin Williams. Um, he's also, he's my, from America, he's my favorite comedian. Uh, he could just take anything and turn it into comedy in an instant. You know, give him a word, give him a statement, and he's off. It was pretty, it's really unfortunate with it. He lost his battle with mental health, actually, which is too, you know, kind of not, not cool. If you want to one-stop everything for one more thing before you go, visit beforeyougopodcast.com, where you can find each and every episode of One More Thing Before You Go, links to your favorite listening platforms, subscribe and review option, and as a special bonus, by visiting beforeyougopodcast.com, you can purchase any book from our shows, access expanded show notes and guest bios. And if you're a podcaster or just getting started, beforeyougopodcast.com can make your life easier with highly recommended podcast equipment and resources for editing and publishing. It'll make your life easier as a podcaster. Hurry and visit beforeyougopodcast.com before your neighbor beats you to it, as it's the perfect resource for everything you need to listen, learn, and grow your own podcast. So did you ever 
Did you ever um, practice any of your routines in front of somebody? How how did you do? You prepare yourself. What do you do? Well, I spoke to a few friends about this, and I'm very much funny in the moment. Like if someone says something, I will think of a witty or sarcastic response within the second to respond to them. So for the biggest challenge for me was taking sort of in the moment funny to actually writing down pen and paper funny. So at the moment, I've just been writing notes, writing sketches or material. And I'm hoping to start performing soon, just maybe in the stuttering communities, because this huge stuttering community is online. So I was thinking maybe what if I just do like an open mic night, put myself as host and headline act, obviously, because I'm that self-centered that if I'm hosting something, I want to be the headline and just do a little open mic night for people in the stuttering community to test out some material and do things like that. Because the way the world is at the moment, there's very little opportunities for new anything, not just new comics, but new people, whether that's singers, actors, comedians, just general workers. There's very little opportunity to progress and sort of pop your head above the ground because everything's at a standstill. So that's why I'm looking up for ways to make my own opportunities, firstly within the stuttering community, to give that opportunity to others and hopefully inspire others, and then maybe take it from there just to put it on offer, like saying I'm doing a 30-minute set on Zoom. If anyone wants to tune in, they can, and give them the option really so it's very much in the laying the foundation process at the moment i've not actually performed a stand-up routine on stage or anything as of yet but i definitely will i think that's a a, a goal uh, a very admirable goal uh, do you feel do you think that the um doing stand-up comedy would uh, would help you and help anybody actually with a stutter problem do you think it would give them more confidence and more ability to kind of express themselves in a positive way? Yeah, I feel like with a stutter, it'll either go two ways. It will either help them, it'll you know, b- 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 boost their morale and take them to new levels, or it will completely ruin them and knock their confidence even lower than it already was. So I'm just hoping that mine goes the r- r- right way. But with comedy, the majority of comedians always say that comedy comes from a dark part inside of them because if you can laugh at yourself then you can then if others laugh with you or laugh at you it doesn't matter as much like i'll write jokes about my stutter but not too many as i don't want to be predominantly a stuttering comedian i just want to be a comedian who makes jokes about himself and that's why i think it's better a lot of comedians make fun of who they are what they look like where they come from and it's because comedy can come from a dark part inside yourself, and it's a way of enlightening that dark part with laughter. Yeah, they, did you, um, I don't know if it, there was, let me see, what year was that? Two, three, two or three years ago, um, there was an individual, a comedian that had a stutter, and um, he actually made it to, I think he, he got second place on oh, American on, Talent. Yeah, American Talent, yes. Yeah. yeah. He did an outstanding job. He's one of our favorites. We wished he would have won it. It, it um, He kind of had that balance between his stutter making 
fun of himself, so to speak, um, but not dwelling on it. It was it was pretty cool, actually. We really liked him. Um, do you think that uh, laughter is important to uh, happiness? Oh, absolutely. Definitely. As for me, if I've had a challenging day, I'll either try and write a few jokes or I'll watch them stand up. Like when I was in university going through a challenging time at the start of this year, I had one of these streaming sites. Um, I think it was Amazon Prime. And I managed to go through every stand-up comedian on Amazon Prime within about a few weeks. And it was 30, 40. And it's just, again, experience for me. But I look and think, okay, I liked him. I didn't like him. What was different about her? And you go from there. But I think if you can be happy, if you can have a laugh, whether that's laughing at yourself, laughing at something you haven't noticed, then that definitely helps. Just being happy and is the key, I think. You're a mental health advocate, aren't you? Absolutely. I try what? and encourage anyone, particularly men, to speak out about mental health. Yeah, unfortunately, and, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but in my experience, I think that, uh, especially in my old profession, but uh, in our in our immediate family, we have some uh, mental health challenges that people are overcoming within my immediate family. But uh, it's something that that whether it be male or female, um, it's very difficult for people to acknowledge or to talk about because the the stigma that's behind mental health. Uh, do you is there anything you recommend to help people to kind of kind of acknowledge that? That is something that you can overcome? It is a tricky one. It's like you said, there's still a stigma attached to it. There's still a lot of reluctancy to speak out about mental health, particularly your own challenges, because, again, of the worry of what people might say, what people might think. But I honestly think mental health and the struggles and challenges are a lot more common than we think. So if you are speaking out about it, you won't be alone. People have absolutely gone through what you have gone through as well. But they, they might not be talking about it for the same reasons you're not talking about it. But just speak out. As I've spoke to people close to me, some of my very close friends and family, and I've also spoke to some friends who I'm not so close to, just to get, if anything, that outside opinion. And I found out about them, found out about their struggles, and vice versa. So just talk to people. It doesn't have to be people you know as such. It's people who I've met through podcasting, like fellow mental health podcasters who have become good friends of mine. And it's just little things, just finding those people you can talk to, whether it's friends, family, co-workers, or even mental health professionals. There's always someone who will be willing to talk or someone who will be willing to listen. Yeah, I... um. I had a really interesting conversation with uh, the Mental Heads from the UK. I don't know if you're familiar with their podcast. Um, yeah, I have heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Both of those individuals, we had a we had a very long conversation, and then after the episode was concluded, we uh, talked about for about an hour after afterwards because the the differences in obviously we're a little off track, but it, the differences between how mental health is is viewed here in the US, how it's viewed in the UK, how it's managed here in the US, and how it's managed in the UK. 
Um, and the, the, the subtle differences as well as the major differences, it was very interesting contrast. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I was speaking to, okay, I can't remember who it was, but I was speaking to someone about how it's managed differently as opposed to the UK and USA, and it is fascinating. I think it might be similar to you. It might be actually, once we stop filming, we had a little heart-to-heart about it. But it is fascinating because you don't expect the differences from what I remember. It, it does catch you off guard. Like I, I'd assume that what's going on here in the UK is very similar in the US. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, was, it was enlightening to me, actually to kind of get a viewpoint in one of the individuals i won't name names but they, anybody wants to listen to the mental heads go listen to their podcast but um one of them had lived here for a short time on a work visa so he had started experiencing his mental health challenges while he was here and how they viewed it and how they how the work environment treated him in comparison to somebody let's say that had a, a drug problem or an alcohol problem, the they were treated completely, completely differently, which was really unfortunate, actually, that people still have that stigma around that. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly with drugs and alcohol, as I've had um, a guest on who, he, he wasn't an alcoholic as such, but he's not had any alcohol for a year because he could see himself on that slope i've had a guest on who was a heroin child and he even though he ha- he's been clean for the last three years he calls himself a drug addict and says he, he will always see himself as an addict so there's always so much more to it than meets the eye exactly uh, and, and everybody i mean everybody in this life has a journey and that's what i appreciate about i appreciate about your podcast the Schofield stories is that you help share those journeys and you help to enlighten people, inspire people, encourage people through those journeys. Yeah, that's so, why I try. Well, why a podcast? Why, I mean, what, what motivated you to create a podcast? Especially somebody, forgive me, but somebody with a stutter, this is a mode of communication that some people are afraid of without having a stutter. Yeah, absolutely. It was a massive choice because I thought if I record an episode and my speech is bad, will anyone listen to it? But the school for sort it came sort of a series of events as I started speaking about my stutter more just on social media. I started writing b- b- blogs about it, writing social media posts, just different things like that. I started to write about it more. And through the course of writing a blog about my story, I was approached by the My Stuttering Life podcast, which is by a good friend of mine. And he, well, it's called My Stuttering Life because he gets different guests on, all who stutter, to come on and share their stories and experiences. So that sort of planted the podcast seed because... I spoke on the podcast. I think I spoke quite well, and I enjoyed it. So anyway, I appeared on there, had good feedback, and carried on as normal. I, I kind of write in these blogs, but I thought, how can I challenge myself that little bit more? I thought, you know, I looked into the 
YouTube and videos, but I thought that's not really my thing. So I thought, what's something that purely relies on the voice and communication? And that's podcasting. So I just, the first episode was literally me recording on my phone, talking about the stuff I've been through. Then the second episode was me recording on my phone again, talking to a mate of mine who I met through the Starfish Project. And it literally built up from there, as it was purely a way for me to challenge myself. That was all it was, but I was looking for a new challenge, something I've not done before that would, would test myself, really. You, you have a, a, a slew of interesting guests on there. I've only listened to a few of the episodes, but I plan on listening to more because it, the ones that I've listened to were very, were outstanding. Um, what kind of guests do you typically have on there? Are they are they people with mental health challenges and people with uh, stuttering challenges and or uh, people without? Yeah, well, it started off just as I planned it originally to be purely based on stuttering. Only have guests on who stutter. But again, that little mentality of how can I push myself further? How can I challenge myself? So I went from interviewing just people who stutter to interviewing lots of people with stories. Anyone who had overcome challenges, hardships. And I've had some incredible stories on. But I was still looking for ways to challenge myself a little bit more. Which is why after 23 episodes, I sort of stopped the first series. I thought, right, I'm going to give it a complete revamp. So I got myself some proper kit. I got, um, again, this Welsh mentality. I've got a friend of mine who knows someone to write some introduction music so the song on the podcast the intro and outro is written by a friend of a friend because she knew someone who writes music and i started interviewing as well as still people who stutter but that's a very important message interviewing people with stories as well celebrities i started interviewing people like my first episode with with mark colburn mb who's a Paralympic cyclist, and he's from the same town that I grew up in. And I literally sent him a t- tweet on the off chance he, he might see it. And I've had people on, like the comedian Dane B- B- Baptiste. Dane Baptiste is a hilarious comedian, and again, someone who I never thought I would get on the show. And it was just a way of thinking, how can I challenge myself more? Let's get people on the show who I've watched on TV. Let's get people on a show who I've seen in concert. You know, as well as keeping to the... Because what I didn't want to lose, but I didn't want to go, okay, all my friends in the stuttering community, all the people I've met with challenging stories, yeah, that's really well and good, but I'm only interviewing celebrities. I didn't want to lose what the scope for the story was about. So I still interview people with inspiring stories who live, I don't want to say normal lives, but live uh, their lives not as a celebrity. And I still interview people I've met in the stuttering community alongside these names from TV, from music, from comedy as well. Yeah, it's an amazing uh, group of individuals that you've actually interviewed. In fact, I, the last episode I listened to was the, the one with the individual from The Crown. Oh, which yeah. Which is like my wife's, one of my wife's obsessions. So when I was listening, she'd come running in here, who, who is that? Who? Well, who is that? <laughs> it was kind of funny. She recognized it, but yeah, it's, and I'm sure that in, 
within that environment that helps you to kind of manage your um your challenges as well oh definitely particularly the mental health side of things thinking can i do this am i okay enough to do it you know am i worthy enough to do it and then i'm interviewing people where i can look back on i think how have i just interviewed them like there was a singer called daniel johnson who was on the x factor over here and he was on the x factor i think about 10 years ago and I went to see him on the X Factor live tour when it came to the city near me. And then 10 years later, I'm interviewing him on my podcast. So it's, don't get me wrong, sometimes, like when I'm interviewing former Royal Marines and former Special Forces soldiers, I still get very nervous because I'm thinking, am I worth worthy enough to interview them? And all the demons are in my head, but it's a great way of overcoming it to show what I've achieved as it's not often we get these physical markers of achievements, but it's actually, well, nearly a year ago, I think it was on the 17th of January, I released the very, very first episode of my podcast. And back then I never thought I would get to this point a year on. So it is nice to have that physical indication of how far you've come and hopefully will continue to go as well. Well, and, and I'm sure you feel the same thing I feel when you were able to share these kind of stories and especially ones of triumph and overcoming that it gives us a sense of self-satisfaction in regard to inspiring and helping and encouraging other individuals that they can achieve as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I try to get that range of guests on the show because I try to give something for everyone. So if you don't like the episode with a singer, there's an episode with a comedian. There's an episode with a paratrooper. There's an episode with someone from a stuttering community. You know, I tried to create such a mixed bag, with a variety of guests that there's something for everyone because, you know, everyone's got a story. Everyone's got a story. Everyone's got challenges and hardship. So if I can reach out to them through this variety of guests, then that's what it's all about, particularly some guests that I didn't think I could get on the show and I have, and I've interviewed them, it's incredible because the feedback I've had from those episodes, like people have said, I went through times when I felt isolated and alone as well. I went through times when I wanted to stop pursuing my dreams. And to have that feedback for certain episodes, as you said, it does feel enlightening for you as you've been able to provide this person with hope purely through interviewing someone and doing what you really enjoy and what you love to do. Well, I think you've done an outstanding job. It's called the the Showfield Stories. Yeah. yeah, and it can be found on all platforms. Yeah, we're on all major streaming platforms, and the next series that I'm starting work on tomorrow will be available on YouTube as well because I've invested in a webcam that a proper HD quality that should have come yesterday, but it's not here yet. But when season three is out, I'll be trying to make a mark on the the video side of podcasting as well as audio i'll have to keep in touch with you see how that works and how you're doing with it because that's um i'm on the edge of embarking on that side of it i'm not, I'm not quite there yet because i don't like to be in front of the camera i'm yeah. spending a good portion of my time behind the camera <laughs> so yeah i agree i'm very much the same if i'm telling a story i like the attention 
But if I was doing an interview like this, I'm thinking, would I put this on YouTube? So I've, I've done a few of my episodes are up on YouTube, but if I, I'm going to do it, I want to do it right. I want the good quality. I want the good video editing. And I know nothing about video editing. So all I'm doing is giving myself something else to stress me out about podcasting, really. But hopefully it'll be worth it in the long run. Let's hope so. This is one more thing before you go. So do you have anything that you feel you need to say that would help our or inspire our listeners before we go? All I can say is really never let anyone define who you are and what you can do. For a long time in my life, I was always called shy because I was quiet. And I never thought I would amount to anything because I was 18, working in McDonald's, and thought, this is it. Because because of what other people have labelled me as and defined me as, I thought that's it. But now I'm podcasting, interviewing people beyond my dreams, and hopefully pursuing a career as a stand-up comedian. So just, yeah, never let anyone define you. If you've got a dream, chase it. Because the people who would try and put these limitations on you, the people who are going to try and limit you, are the ones who are not fulfilled in themselves. So follow your dreams, do what you want to do, and only define yourself. Don't let anyone define you. Let your actions define who you are. That's an outstanding statement. Callum, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your journey with me. It's an amazing journey of triumph, overcoming, and um, developing yourself into something that is a positive atmosphere for not only yourself, but those around you. So thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me on. I've really enjoyed it. It's been great to meet you and speak to you as well. I've really enjoyed being here today. Thank you, sir. I will have um, links to all of your, your episodes your um, website as well, which I forgot to mention earlier, but I'll make sure that it's in the show notes and uh, we can get people going uh, hopefully to your website, listen to your podcast program and well done, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate each and every one of you for taking the time out of your day to share these journeys with me. I want to give you a heads up. Over the next six weeks or so, there are going to be some exciting changes coming to one more thing before you go. We are always striving to bring you the best in quality, entertainment, education, and talking points to make your weekly visits to one more thing before you go the absolute best experience it could be for you. Rest assured, it's still me. It's still one more thing before you go. But I feel in bringing you some new stimulating opportunities to delve into some in-depth personal conversations in a new collection, with an easier way to listen to your favorites, you'll experience new and intriguing subject matter that's not yet touched upon, and join in on some great conversations that have been handpicked just for you. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day. Have a nice week. And thanks for listening.
One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.